0: Don't eat an apple on the podcast, what's the matter with you?
1: Troy, did you know that I have a condition that chewing noises make me very angry?
0: Let's see how that condition is going.
1: (laughs) It's called misophonia. It makes me especially angry when we were waiting for you and you were late and
0: now you're just eating an apple. Wait, I got to think of a good product. It's an apple, Brian.
1: An apple.
2: I sold a deal today for thirty-five thousand dollars,
0: and um, Brian, can we not make your sales efforts like a big theme in this podcast again?
2: Why not? Why
1: people because would be interested so cool. in it? I'm interested in it.
0: Not at that price point.
1: Thirty-five k. <laughs> Troy just spent as much changing his tires on his cars.
0: Big money. Big money. Big
1: money. <laughs>
2: Welcome to People vs. Algorithms, a show about detecting patterns in media, technology, and culture. My name is Brian Morrissey. Each week, I'm joined by longtime media executive and investor Troy Young and our resident advertising skeptic and video game maker, Alex Schleifer. This week, we discuss the repricing of talent. We're between eras in the media industry specifically and in technology broadly. And one key trend we've continually tracked on this show is the power shift from institutions to individuals. Another key trend is how we have left behind some of the craziness of the zero interest rate era and entered into a painful period of repricing. And that repricing is coming to talent. ESPN has begun culling some of its roster of big name commentators, preparing for a drastically different economic picture as the subsidies of the cable bundle dwindle and eventually go away. The land grab phase of the streaming wars fooled many into thinking there was bountiful money to go around. In fact, it was just cheap debt fueling players buying market share. We've seen this repricing happening across the media industry at institutional brands. I mean, look at the talent that sits atop magazine brands, those jobs being editors of these brands are not as lucrative as they once were. One theory about Edward Edinfeld leaving one of the plum purchases in magazines, the editorship of British Vogue, is that he can make more money as a stylist. I mean, this is a nuanced issue, since independent talent with direct connections to a community stands to make outsized gains. After all, ESPN is cutting football talking heads, yet it also struck an $85 million deal with Pat McAfee. And the reason is that McAfee moves the needle, and most on-air personalities do not. They are household names mostly because of ESPN, not vice versa. One of the biggest challenges for anyone who fancies themselves as talent is to understand how much of that value is created by the individual versus the brand. And it's always a mix, but many times talent overrates its power in the equation. After all, Fox News wasn't hurt too much by losing Bill O'Reilly. Maybe it will be different with Tucker. And it's hard to see CNN in peril because Don Lemon isn't around. We also discuss why threads is yet another sign that the news business is a terrible business. And I attempt to defend the honor of LinkedIn against uncalled for onslaught of attacks by the others. As always, please leave us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. We got a nice one recently from Fola01. It said, a journalist, an ad seller, and a designer walk into a bar. Compared to other media-centric podcasts out there, this is the best representation of a modern media company and the internal struggles. The journalist wants intellectual honesty, that's me. The ad seller wants effectiveness and big data, that's Troy. And optimized ad, still Troy. And the designer wants beautiful UX, and that's Alex. And then the struggle begins. Three guys who are incredibly intelligent and also honest, it's the best pod in media and needs some more love hence this review. Thank you so much, Fola01. I love this review because it's both complimentary and it also pigeonholes Troy as an ad seller. And Troy, as a fellow ad seller, let me tell you, it's an honest living. So please do leave us a rating review, share this podcast with anyone you think would find it valuable or entertaining, and send me your feedback directly. My email is brian at
0: therebooting.com. Hope you enjoyed this
2: conversation.
0: I'm committed to the podcast, and I feel our dialogue around topics has been a little sort of flaccid. Yeah, I know. But it's the summer. It's the summer. So in advance of the call, I called up one of my favorite media journalists and just said, what is going on? What's interesting out there? (laughs) I had a good conversation, but I think that it's pretty slow in media land right now, Brian. There's no deals, or there's very few deals. I mean, we're talking about age verification in Mississippi, which... Basically cuts anyone potentially under eighteen from using the internet the way it was meant to be used. It kind of fits in with last week's theme, which was the internet becoming a series of kind of identity gated gardens.
1: Are you saying that there's no media news this week? That's interesting.
0: I didn't see a lot. No. So Were you talking like Threads? Threads. That-
1: threads just reached a hundred
0: million users. Yeah, but who can, cares? can you
1: imagine? Who cares?
0: Yeah. I don't it's, know. It's boring. It's an awful experience. I hate using it. I'm not interested.
2: Wait, why do you hate threats?
0: It's like Twitter without all the good stuff. I mean, Nazis?
2: Yeah, but all the good stuff is why Twitter <laughs> is not
0: popular. Exactly.
2: I mean, I like Twitter, but it's not for the yeah.
1: average person. I think we should talk about threads. I hate the fact that I'm rooting for Facebook, but that launch was pretty spectacular and just shows they've kind of solved the chicken and egg thing of launching a social network because they've launched one with a lot of people.
0: I've never heard an individual speak more despairingly about a company than you about Facebook.
1: I fucking hate them. Yeah, they're fucking terrible.
0: That another sort of slice of our social networking universe is going to be controlled by a single shareholder who makes saccharine products that are uninteresting connected to Instagram. It's a feature of Instagram.
1: Well, I think it's more than that. But here's the interesting thing that maybe we could talk about because I've been really you know, interested in but no, in I that. can't.
0: You're, we're starting out on the wrong foot. This whole Co- episode sucks. I was going to start on premium. This-
1: Wait, hang on. Let me just cover my thoughts on this because I don't think it's only Instagram launching.
0: I got to do a Zin. (laughs) For
1: this. <laughs> Here's why this is interesting. I think they've announced that they will release ActivityPub. That's number one, and these are all connected all right, Can I you expl-
2: Can you explain for those of us who are not total dorks what ActivityPub yeah. is?
1: So ActivityPub is actually the open protocol that things like Mastodon run on. Basically, imagine a generalized protocol for social media posts that says this is the text, this is an image, this is what's attached, and then technically the idea is that with ActivityPub you can access the data of a social network from any client. So you can build your own client, that's one. And secondly, you can run your own activity pub server. So let's say we could run our own server with our own rules on it, and then people could follow us via the Threads app. Similarly, somebody could use another app and follow somebody that's on Threads. That's one thing. Let's let's put that aside. I'm sorry, why does that matter? So I could take my shit to a different like platform? Hypothetically, you could take your shit to a different platform. I think it allows Facebook to tell creators, hey, don't worry, if creators no longer trust these big tech companies because they feel that they're going to shut down any minute, they keep launching and killing stuff, so you invest a bunch yeah. of time into something. But here, if you build an audience, technically you can shift your audience to another platform. Platform very easily. It's an open standard, but I think there's a bigger plan around that, and I'll get to it. Second thing is that they said that they're not interested. Take your turn. Yeah, it's good to have a cliffhanger. (laughs) <laughs> they're not interested in news. They keep saying that they're not interested in news. I think they're not interested in controversy. I think, I think they're being honest about not being interested right. in news. And I think Zuck doesn't want to be dragged in front of Congress anymore.
0: And third, they're using that. that How do you not like, do news, Alex? Have you used threads? Yeah, I saw a picture of people talking a lot about Martha Stewart posting from her pool. I'm here. I'm here. So let me finish my point. <laughs> you don't do news. We don't by you don't need to.
1: Alex is just warming up. Let him cook. I'm just okay. warming up, man. And then you're building this on top of it's really powered by the schadenfreude of watching Elon suffer. Like this is really showing how much people are willing to side with Godzilla to beat Mothma or whatever. They hate Zuck just a little less than they hate Elon. I think what they're doing, they just need to announce that they don't want to do any news. And then they just need to announce that, hey, we will support all these activity pub services. So if you want to be weird or a Nazi or anything like that, you can do it. You just make your own server. So therefore, we're going to just stay the fuck out of all of this. We're going to say we don't want any news. Of course people are going to publish news on here. And then they're going to build the feed in a way that really doesn't actively promote who's been banned or not. They've already stated that they're not going to actively tag misinformation the way they did. And they're building a much friendlier and I think more advertising friendly network like that. And if either of the sides of the political spectrum tells them, hey, why are you banning us? They can say, look, we're not. You can always go to your right-wing servers or your left-wing servers. We're also not really promoting news. The algorithm doesn't promote that. They're trying to stay the fuck out of there. And I think that's going to be a trend in all these social networks that they don't want to be part of that discourse. Because there's no no money in it. I think that that's totally true, and I think it's a smart move. And I think it's fucking smart. It's fucking smart smart. because I I think that in general,
2: this we're gonna look back. On a few things and be like, that was very strange. One of the things we're going to look back on is this idea that news should be injected into our like social feeds was strange. It was always an outlier and it wasn't meant to be there. Like when the Facebook feed got taken over by news, it made people miss poking. And and poking suck. I mean, think about it. Farmville was the worst part of the Facebook experience. And then your racist uncle came in. Man, that made Farmville look pretty good. And it was terrible for business, terrible for society, and people need less news, not more news.
0: Fair enough. But do you do news, Brian? You, you're quite a little tweeter yourself. Is that? Oh smart? yeah, I love, I love news. So you do. Oh, it's book. mostly snark though. It's all snark.
2: Oh, I mean, I'm trying to keep tabs on Prigozhin and what he's up to, and
0: yeah. whether he's in <laughs>
2: Belarus or not. And I still think he might just be in league with Putin to come at him from another shot at Kiev. A bunch okay. of the old guys were up getting coffee in Miami talking about this in the lobby.
0: So would you make it into the new Threads feed? Or will you bifurcate your efforts between Twitter and, and Threads? You'll do like, oh, I'm going for a run on Threads. And then on you'll talk about Progozian on, on Twitter?
2: Progozian is for Twitter. Going for a run is for nowhere. I, I got complaints in early Twitter because I had a running blog and I would post both. And people were like, "I don't want this running stuff. I want you to talk about ad tech." It's was like, "What?
1: <laughs> Nobody ever said what are that? you insane." <laughs> <laughs> Those words were never uttered.
2: <laughs> no, but I think this is—it's healthy. The idea that everyone was gonna like that there's one place and one Uber social network was always dumb. You should have different spaces for different types of conversation. And the reality of our political discourse and news in general, which revolves around politics, is that it poisons the well at the end of the day. If it's a little bit about news, it's all about news. I don't see anything wrong. I mean, threads, will I spend as much time on threads as I did on Twitter? No, of course not. It's just random like dogs balancing graham crackers that I see. And that's compelling content, don't get me wrong. But I don't know, it's it's fine. I think for your average everyday person, I think this will
1: be a very successful product. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Why does news have to be everywhere? I agree that different social networks for different content. But I think in this case, you can't have this, a very similar interface exist and people use both. I think people use Twitter and Instagram. I don't think people will use Twitter and Threads. I think it's going to be either or. They're too mm-hmm. similar and it makes it very difficult to, to make a call as to what works. what.
0: Mm-hmm. So what are you posting to Instagram or to Threads, Brian? I'm just trying to understand. I want to know if I should follow you. Well,
2: here's the other thing: is I don't think threads really matters with following. Did you? And did, I think you
0: there- did you post a threads yet? Can we just get clarity? Yeah. on this? What did you say? Yeah, I've posted threads. Like what?
2: I don't know. I'm just
1: like playing around. I'm just experimenting with. It's not serious.
0: I've been marketing the podcast.
1: I haven't been marketing it that much. Well, I know. I track who works hard on this. <laughs>
2: Am I the only person who likes LinkedIn?
1: I don't know. Maybe it's because of the job I've had. LinkedIn LinkedIn is depressing.
0: Oh my god, it's LinkedIn so awful. Feels, oh, oh my it's god. the worst. Oh.
1: Oh. Oh. i love to get in mail. What are you guys not? Oh,
0: oh I love an in mail too, but it's awful. Really? Come on. It's gross. You know what? It really it's like so my friend Rich on LinkedIn. Like, what's going on? What is happening? Rich right? Antonello? Well, I tried just I love it. You gotta a-
1: want it. <laughs> <laughs> Hustle. 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 I got like some sort of I don't know what they call it, that in mail cold mail on LinkedIn. And I I didn't answer it. And LinkedIn is one of those things where like, I approve everyone's follows or whatever. I don't even know how it works because I think that maybe one day that network will be useful.
0: If you keep employing all those people, you're going to need a job, Alec. Yeah, that that's true.
1: I got one from one person. He messaged me and then I didn't reply. And then like three messages in, he goes, Should I be worried for your health? Did something happen to you? It must have, otherwise, you would be interested in this amazing network marketing oh, yeah. offer. It's fucking sounded like a threat okay. at some point. But
2: let me let me defend LinkedIn a little bit. Oh, here. please do. That when you go into LinkedIn, it's all about celebrations, it's about milestones, it's about thought leadership. Sometimes it's about a white paper or a webinar. It is to me like thought a, leadership. A return. Yeah. Fault
1: leadership. Wait, it, are if, you angling for a LinkedIn <laughs> ad? This sounds, this sounds like, please. Ju- <laughs> what? I'm trying to be genuine here. Oh my God. It, How much do they pay you?
0: Yeah. Oh my God. It, How much? It, if I like have to try. see another photograph from some event where they're like, look at me with my lineup of People and look at all the different kinds of friends I have, and look I'm at Cannes. Like it's awful.
2: I once had the LinkedIn photo, the profile photo of a person like holding a microphone. It was only briefly
1: at an (laughs) event. (laughs) Yeah. I just thought playing, I was like, you know, this feels like something I should do.
2: It feels right. Like,
1: I, I think the problem with LinkedIn is that it really feels like when you go into one of those corporate meet and greets and everybody's just angling to sell something and congratulating you as a way in. I think somebody somebody once did their research really badly and, and told me because I have a, a link for merch on the website. They said I make video games and there's like a tiny link for merch. And they obviously had scanned it as Oh, congratulations of on opening your new merch business. I'm really interested in buying your products so it's like i don't make fucking t-shirts you guys that's linkedin
0: linkedin is the world's biggest marketplace for accepted lying it's about <laughs> lying and so if you like the truth it probably bothers you or rubs you the wrong way because what right, it is is right. like i just spent eight great years at this company i worked with the best people in the world i it feel was bl- the best i and would it's, celebrate uh, that i feel blessed to have been here <laughs> yeah. meanwhile the guy's like i fucking hate those guys they just i'm so just- fucking <laughs>
1: luck. glad i left everything <laughs> i'm in the comments great run grant <laughs> <laughs> now will you spend thirty five thousand dollars on a tasteful <laughs> advertising integration it's fine. I, I don't I don't okay, see why you okay. guys I'm kind of randomly reading. So proud of the team. I've yes. been promoted. Is this to, mine? Is this mine? Oh <laughs> feeling <laughs> much pride for this. Hey, let's yeah. do,
0: hey Alex, let's do a new segment. Real time commenting on LinkedIn. Leave a comment. Exactly. There. Say something nice.
1: <laughs> I'll say, say something I, nice. I'll write one down now. I'll say, Wow. That's awesome. Okay, fine. Mock LinkedIn all you want. Name a social network, social platform. I'll add a a smiley face, one second. Name (laughs) a social
2: platform that has lasted this long and has provided so much value to so many people. Has it? I'll wait.
0: Just wait. I'm thinking.
2: I can't think of one. What is the worst? You've basically said, okay, but it's not a social platform. You've said the worst part about LinkedIn is people being like salesy, basically, at the end of the day.
0: Well, I said lying.
2: Did you like, are we having a Freaky Friday episode where you're like sort of playing me or something like this? It's not lying, it's just selling.
0: Okay. I think maybe iMessage is the greatest social network or the longest lasting. Yeah.
1: And also, it lets you sort out the friends who have iPhones and don't, and so you can stop being friends with them. There's nothing wrong with Android. (laughs)
0: Because (laughs) we want a technical monoculture, Alex. What are you talking about? That's right, exactly. I'm still waiting for my folding screen Google Pixel to come in the mail. Oh, I tried that out. The the lump's gonna drive you crazy.
2: Just to get back to threads, I think threads for me, like follower counts are dead. Okay. And I think this sort of plays into what is the talent premium. Because I think my working theory of where things were going would be like, okay, well, talent's gonna be even more valuable. And that's the way you get out of this algorithmic monoculture where you're just like feeding content into. AI smelter. But the reality, I think, is algorithms are taking over all this thing. And and what you see with threads is they just want you feeding the algorithm. And the algorithm is going to sort it out. The Facebook algorithm is going to sort it out. And there's no followership. There's a reason that they're not. They say that they're going to add the sort of thing where you have a chronological feed with your followers and stuff. But everything is going in the direction of TikTok, where you just feed content into the machine. And as someone who has labored to build 43,000 something Twitter followers, I feel ripped off.
0: Are those followers available for an ad program?
1: No, I don't I don't sully sacred ground like Twitter with tasteful advertising. We can talk about Elon for a second in a minute. The one thing about Twitter is that even if you create like a really great post that performs well, it doesn't actually add anything to you and you're always starting back from the spot where you were. So it's very hard to break through on Twitter. You've created these posts that go viral and you get like two followers from it. If there's a reward mechanism built into threads that means that posting something that generates a lot of attention gets you more attention, either by more people following you or the algorithm benefiting you over time, then I think creators are going to want to go there. It's really hard right now on Twitter. Even like me, like I have 7,000 followers the reach is not particularly impressive. I get a lot more engagement on threads with 150 followers, which is weird.
0: That's all you got? That's lame. Yeah,
1: Yeah, but followers are dead. I keep saying things are dead. This is terrible. I I boycotted Instagram, so I don't have anyone, so it's not like I moved with a thousand followers. I'll be your friend on
0: threads if you want.
1: Well, I follow you already. I guess you don't follow me back, though. I've been tracking. I've been tracking. It doesn't matter. Followers
2: don't count. It's all going to be the algorithm. And the algorithm is going to serve and the the truth of the matter is, I would like to think that people want to follow other humans, but I think the algorithm is going to beat that. It's going to beat the follower graph. You get around the cold start problem, and Twitter never figured that out. And they were too hostage to the early adopters and not changing it enough. And the yeah. one thing with Zuckerberg, complain about him as much as you want. Man, he's a good like wartime general, it seems like. He's ready to you know, and he like just powered through so many controversies and so much so many people like complaining about the news feed and stuff. I think this is, is a tough one for, for Twitter.
1: Yeah, it is a tough one for Twitter. Can we just talk about the way Elon responded? He's flooding the system with this. Stuff and after like What's suing he fl- twi- flooding it with Well, after suing Twitter for like hiring all the people he fired, he his latest two tweets were "Zuck is a cuck" and "I propose a literal dick measuring contest." Oh. He just turned fifty two two weeks ago.
0: Interesting, why i say that? Is that true? Is that what he said? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the "Zuck is a cuck" one that's got a nice little ring to it, but the other one is really shameful. That's horrible. it's ridiculous. Yeah,
2: there's an article on the New Yorker about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. You'll have to summarize that article, Alex. Yes.
2: That's about penis enlargement
1: surgery.
2: I'm just assuming that Elon has had it. I think that's the thing. <laughs> you know,
1: we can't normalize this. We're, we're seeing the implosion of somebody yeah, okay. who was really important. Yeah. It's really crazy. I actually feel like a lot of this threat stuff is fueled by yeah. people just wanting to, like... But isn't
2: it part of, like, the, the end of an era of social media? I'm probably always trying to end eras and stuff. But, like, this all-in-one social media era... It was dumb. It was dumb. We're not all meant to be in one room talking about everything at the same time. And like the splintered nature of media, digital media in general, should come to these social media platforms. Why should we have just one or two? Why why don't we have dozens for different purposes?
1: Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, I think because we value scale in a certain way. So many social networks that could not reach kind of the velocity of having more than 10 million users shut down because of the way venture capital works and exactly, and, yeah, advertising, exactly.
2: But now, like, we're moving towards like subscription is now the default. It's not perfect, but subscription is the default versus advertising for a lot. Like nobody's starting with advertising as, not nobody, but it's not as much. Before, I remember covering every single tech company, they talked about turning on the revenue spigot with ads, which I thought was a hilarious way to put it. And it was just
1: obvious. All roads always led to advertising. God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. But can social media work with subscription? I know that's what we're saying, but advertising seems to be a much more honest Transaction here because when you create social, when you go on social media, you're the one creating content and therefore you want to create an environment where maybe you can participate in the revenue generation of your content and advertising is actually a really good model for that. And I don't know if like social media and subscription services work. I think if you're creating content and you get like Netflix or the New York Times, sure. But if you're like Twitter, I'm not going to pay you so that you can monetize my content. Fuck off. And I think many people feel like that. I wonder if that's like maybe a too too big of a gap to cross. You think many people think that they should be paid for their tweets? I think many people feel that I He's think saying the happened, opposite
0: of that actually. Uh, He's saying that ad supported social networking makes sense and you can have revenue sharing in that construct but the idea that you're paying to see other people's sort of Personal crowdsource or community created content is not really aligned with subscription, unless, Alex, I think you'd agree that subscriptions give you some kind of superior tooling to filter or store yeah. or, or, or give you more reach. You know, something give you access, but
2: that's within a mass social media context. Why, why would people not pay for a very like curated social networking experience?
1: Because that's iMessage and WhatsApp. That's it. There's no space for that type of business anymore. iMessage is by far the biggest social network that I use every day. We, I have your group. I have different friends groups, and then second to that is WhatsApp because it's more international. But I don't need a, a social network for my family or people make video games or whatever. That's that all exists already. If Thread's algorithm starts showing me stuff from people that I whose information I like, then I'll like it. But I'm not gonna pay for it because I don't think there's value there. As a consumer.
0: All right, should we move on to the big story? That was a yeah, big fucking talk story. About what is the big story?
2: It's related to this, but it it's is, like whether it whether there is going to be a talent premium. I mean, I'd like to think that there is going to be and that there's going to be a human premium with the deluge of crap from AI that we're going to have. But sometimes I like wonder whether there is. And you see sort of signs of it around. Like ESPN is cutting a lot of their marquee people. I mean, they make a lot of money. Even Stephen A. Smith is saying, I'm not safe. What is going on here? Because I think we've seen this in other areas of media, but it seems like it's going everywhere that talent is being repriced to some degree. I think about like magazines. The people who are running magazines now, the quote unquote talent, the editors, and stuff, are making far less than the same person was making 10 years ago. Like being the editor of Vanity Fair is very different for who is it, Radhika Jones, versus like when Graydon Carter was running. Mm-hmm. And I think that's happening across all of media to some degree.
0: It's definitely. When the economics that. change. It happens anywhere where there isn't a stable distribution premium that can be shared with talent. So I would argue that it'll persist in movies where uh, a celebrity has an sort of outsized impact on the economics of a film or they're taking share on box office it's very profound right now i had a friend over this weekend who was an ex cable executive who grew up in the sort of good years of cable and he said i'm watching the whole industry be effectively repriced and so many of my colleagues from those extremely good years in cable are out of work he's like a lot a lot, a lot, a lot, and you're seeing it in real time with, like you said, Brenda, the, the ESPN thing, but basically, we all know that the distribution system created economic surplus that drove up talent prices, and those networks were so dominant that they made people famous, so you got sort of big news hosts making $20 million, people like Don Lemon, and now... ESPN is trying to get in front of a very, very different economic reality. And they know that mostly people are pulled in because of your rights content right you tune in to watch a football game or tennis or whatever and you can get by on the top 10 or sports center or even insightful nfl commentary without paying the five million dollar big name commentator and so those salaries get depressed radically radically yeah those people can get but i think
2: we also might see a bifurcation in some ways and now steve young nothing against steve young he's fine but like Steve Young at $5 million a year, No, nobody's going to notice if they swap
0: him in. You'll forget a month making. later, it's over.
2: Yeah. Meanwhile, at the same time, I, I believe it's like a $62 million deal that or even more that ESPN cut with like Pat McAfee. And so I think we're seeing different types of content or different types of talent premium in that if you can be like a Pat McAfee who can develop a true following, then you can get a talent premium.
0: Signature talent on the best and still the biggest Rosh programming, Sunday Night Football is still gonna get premiums. But people that do Center are not gonna get premiums.
2: Right, but the thing is, people come for the games, whereas like Pat McAfee created something out of nothing, okay? And he created it in a barn in Indiana. I think that is true talent. I think what a lot of quote unquote talent think that people are coming for them when they're coming for the brand. It's kind of like sales. It's, are you a really good salesperson, or is the brand you worked for really good, and and you're just there? Right.
1: I wonder Do you know also, who Pat McAfee is. No, but I'm getting talent. it. I'm getting it from context. There's a couple of things that are probably working against these big talent prices premiums. One is that. Probably culture moves along so much quicker and people rotate around. I think these celebrities used to have these extremely long and kind of sticky careers and that might be changing. Maybe these companies are seeing, well, it's not as worth it to invest in a single person the way we used to. The second one is, I wonder if there's also a calculation of, we're going to spend a bunch of money on this person and the second that they reach any type of velocity, they'll just go and start their own thing. It's kind of become probably just like more economical to just get people cheaper, bring them up earlier in their careers and then rotate them around rather than spending 20 years building somebody up or 10 years and then watching them go somewhere else and start their own network. Because the cost of starting something new are so low. They have a lot of options.
2: Yeah, I'll be very interested to see how someone like
1: Tucker Carlson does out on his own. Now, he could be the exception. He's doing worse and worse. His videos have been going worse and
0: worse. This story hasn't even started. Tucker Carlson can raise money and start a... The problem I think that he's got is that his audience it's not on Twitter. And so, yeah, I think there was, yeah, I think there's some curiosity there, but I think he's going to have to have a different kind of platform to see if it, how well it works. But the other, the other side of it, Brian, is that you've got these, now you've got networks for a sort of democratized star making machines. I read with interest this story of this comedian who's a phenomenon on TikTok, who's now becoming kind of star material, Matt Reif. Do you know who he is? No. They, they just did a feature on him in New York Times. He's a handsome boy, comedian, kind of funny. He has a big following with kind of middle-aged women. And he had been doing stand-up for 30, 40 people and decided to start putting his stuff on TikTok. And the first video got seen by 10 million people or something. He happens to be extremely attractive. is that crazy? But can't, now there's lineups around the block to take a picture with him for 150 bucks. It's like a huge... Kind of another TikTok celebrity phenomenon.
2: Okay, but that's what I'm saying. Matt Reich, he basically just fed an algorithm, hit a seam, and the algorithm took over. Yep. It's like buying a lottery
0: ticket. Right. It's just that the network's there. Nobody is anointing him. He had the right formula, and it worked. And there's going to just that's the future. And the machine, outside of very, very neat or narrow cases, the distribution machine is not going to pay talent like it used to. That's just the story. Probably, I think one of the biggest single kind of harsh new realities of the media business. And you're right, yeah. Editors sitting on top of big magazine brands, made good money, had long careers and very glamorous roles. That's all gone now.
2: And I think that's going to go... So basically, the only way to make a lot of money is to be off on your own, not like attached to some institutional brand.
1: You're doing it know. right.
2: Yep. Okay, well, we just need to step two, which is make a lot of money. But I got step one now. This is
1: right. I don't know if it's it's as simple as that. Troy, you probably found out about this guy on the New York Times. And I feel like there's still a boost that a lot of these creators get when they're exposed on more traditional forms of media. Nobody's making any money on TikTok itself. So in this case, this guy can do live shows. They're all doing live shows, but there's going to be a saturation. Should be very clear.
0: He didn't need the New York Times to write a feature to be famous, Alex. No, not to be famous, a,
1: but for you to know him about it.
0: For me, to yes. To know about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a, a following good-looking 22-year-old comedians on TikTok, no. Yeah.
2: To reach um, the Shelter Island crowd, he still needs the New
1: York Times. Other creators do want to get on YouTube and things like that.
2: You know. Yeah, I, but I think the point, Alex, is that if you're going to be quote-unquote talent and make a lot of money, hmm. the pathway is pretty much never going to be work for an institutional brand, have your agent negotiate a high salary. That will be the case in some instances, but I think in more instances, it's going to be like we talk about LLC on LLC action a previous one. It's going to be like Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee was doing a deal with ESPN as Pat McAfee's his company. Not That's the way forward if you're going to be talent is you can't trust ESPN. If Stephen A. Smith can possibly take a
1: bullet from ESPN, then nobody is safe. Are you saying that the media brands are not going to be worth anything and at the end of the day, it's all going to be creators and platforms?
2: Oh, no. In sports, media brands are, are going to be worth a ton because of sports rights. But if you're the talent, maybe it's ESPN, maybe it's Amazon, maybe it's Google, maybe it's Apple. I don't know. If you look at what Messi did, the Messi deal is basically Amazon subsidizing. He's coming into this deal as talent, yes, but as a media company, he's got distribution. He's going to do content. It's like everything but the fact that he can dribble a soccer
0: ball. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. He's still pretty good, though, right? Amazing, still. Yeah. yeah he's amazing. He's a little. Yeah. He's the greatest football player in the world, dude. <laughs> yes. I
2: would have thought he would have gotten chewed up a little bit by some of the big boys. But no, lower, lower center of gravity.
1: Maradona was the same.
2: That guy so. can party. I saw a documentary on that guy. Oh, yeah. He would go after it, and then he would just get right for like two days and then go back (laughs) to going after it. It's inspiring stuff.
0: All right. So we exhausted the talent (laughs) topic. Did we got anything else, Brian? Or are we going to... Let's go right into good product. Already? Uh, I know. I feel like we didn't. Do we have a third topic? You got to have three.
1: No, I just had two topics.
0: Alex, you got any bees in your bonnet?
1: I've been having conversations with folks, especially folks I haven't seen for a long time, and we catch up, and people in tech, and the conversation will always go towards AI and chat GPT. And it's kind of interesting meeting people you haven't seen in a while, because you can go over how insane the leap's been, even though it's less in the news now. AI is living through this kind of quieter phase right now, because we all got used okay. to it. But I get about a 50-50 percent response on what people think about chat as the interface. And some folks say, oh, no, that's a fad. Nobody will want to chat with a computer. We'll need to build new interfaces for it. And others which feel like chat is the future. And the more I've thought about it, the more I think that yeah, chat is indeed the future. Co- conversation is the most natural interface we know. It's the one we know as children. It's the one that humans have had the longest time to get used to. And I think that everyone should look at everything around them and see what could be replaced by conversation. Because I think that that's going to be one of the major shifts, that more and more of what we do is going to be turned into conversations. And when people tell me, well, people don't like to type stuff, people do not call each other anymore because they type to each other. People love typing. People love typing, and I would say that people would probably use Siri more if there was an easier way to just type things to Siri. I'm not saying interface is going to go away. There's going to be all sorts of tools that are going to need to exist, especially in the creative field where I am. But so much is going to be replaced by interface that is going to have pretty dramatic impacts on the way we use computers. Yeah, I don't
2: know if you saw Sam Altman did a little Q&A with Time magazine. And he said, you'll be able to do this with two-way voice. It'll feel real-time you'll be able to talk like two people doing conversations and that'll be powerful. You can eventually imagine a world where as you're talking, it's like the Star Trek holodeck. But I think the thing that will matter most is how much of the stuff you want to happen can happen from a relatively small amount of conversation. As these models get to know you better and are capable of more, you can really imagine a world where you have a fairly simple and short conversation with the model and a huge amount of things get done on your behalf. So that's clearly the direction Sam sees things going.
1: I don't think we'll be spending a lot of time in email. People hate email, but if something had context, then you could tell me, like, what are the meetings that I have today? Can you remind Bob about that one in the afternoon and the thing understands context? That's not... Crazy to think about. But once things turn into conversations, then I think we'll also be having different conversations about media and advertising where things fit yeah. because that's gonna change everything. So
2: I think AI is heading for a summer of discontent. I think people are gonna say this is bullshit. The numbers are gonna plateau on the number of people using Chat GPT. We're already seeing some like reports sure. that oh well it's flatlined and fewer people are using it. A lot of the would have it can, it will will be Like well, where's the beef now? I could date myself,
1: but that's predictable, and we all know what happens after that lull is that it takes over. So let everyone like kind of drop their guard. But
2: I dropped my guard with Web three.
1: There you go, and crypto billionaire because
2: (laughs) my Bitcoin. I'm almost. I'm like only six percent away from being even on my Bitcoin.
1: Oh really? I turned three thousand dollars into forty thousand dollars. I was up at ninety five. So pretty good pretty good.
2: I invested $500 in WeWork over the pandemic. Do you know how much it's worth now? My $500? $2.43.
1: Okay, well, I think Troy's getting bored. No, You didn't think my conversational um, UI thing was important?
0: No, I think it's actually super important. I'm glad you brought it up. I'm not quite sure what to add to it, but it's so much of how I think and I think how we think is the hierarchical organization of information and interaction on a screen. And it's defined all the work that I think we've collectively done in designing media and service interfaces for a long, long time. The first move of media to the internet was to get it to kind of look like a magazine so there was a lot of effort put into the sort of flourishes that come with feature design in magazines and when it becomes a box that you interact with you just have new design challenges i mean i think there will still be artifacts that you can click on to enhance the experience but it's sort of more like sequencing and tone and sound and length and how you answer a question, how you feed information. It's a whole new vector for design, I think, Alex, because everything still is designed, right? You're still giving someone a product and they react to it emotionally and rationally. And I think it's a new frontier in design. It's very cool. The obvious is that it does introduce new complexities for advertising that generally are about selling a percentage of the screen?
1: Advertising is not going away. Advertising hijacks the interface, right? that's why it's so successful. And when you have lots of stuff to run through, then you have lots of points where you can hijack people's attention. I think it's going to be harder with AI, but once it gets in there, it's going to be much more insidious and hard to discern. Mm-hmm. How do you track something motivating you? It's going to be like product placement in movies. You know, What do I do if I'm dehydrated? Well, you could quench your thirst with... Gatorade or similar products. Gatorade's just paid more. Quench? Quench. Quench. Yeah. I like (laughs) Squench, though. Squench is
0: pretty good. We should consider that as a new brand, Squench. Squench. I'm
2: just getting the domain now. That'd actually be a great knockoff Gatorade. Yeah. Squench your
0: thirst. So one of the great virtues of podcasting, not that everybody does this, but is that you can fast forward through the commercials. Right. I mean, I do it. Brian doesn't do (laughs) it.
2: Well, that's why I do my native I've seen Brian listen reads. to commercials. I inject it. It's ad injection.
0: Yes, but Brian, do you know if they disable the fast-forward button on Spotify during the ads?
2: No, they do in like SoundCloud. I'm still on the ad version of SoundCloud, and they still give me like Spanish-language ads like nobody's business because I lived in Miami for a little bit. <laughs> That's amazing. Precision of digital advertising, it's such bullshit. Like <laughs> like basic stuff is not done correctly.
0: Now that we're finally talking about advertising... Before we get to good product, just one little thing I didn't write about this week, I took a week off, but really the beginning of the end for digital advertising outside of social and the platforms was really GDPR. GDPR killed the advertising industry. You
2: hate GDPR. With
0: a passion. I think it's useless. I think it does no one a favor. It's just bad legislation, bad interface, everything about it is bad. But the more important part is that without identity, the open web didn't stand a chance. It just made identity via cookies, even the most basic form of it in retargeting, that much more difficult. It meant that poor publishers had to create a whole new layer of tech around, what do you call it, management of, what's that category of ad tech, Brian? Not, Not permission, what's it called? Companies like Ben's company that you just manage Adherence to privacy principles. or Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh,
2: The consent management? Consent management was a whole new thing
0: that everybody in publishing had to spend on and worry about and all of that. In the meantime, yeah, there was workarounds to try to get identity, but are publishers any better? The predictions were maybe publishers will be better off because at least they have context. And that didn't come true, I would argue. Publishers aren't running away with it. No,
2: it's just going to retail media because they they have the data.
0: Right. So GDPR undermined the identities, the even sort of imperfect identity mechanism of the open web. It made it even more punishing to have to deal with a web page because you had to click on a bunch of buttons. It made it more complicated for publishers. And who won in that? What, do we feel like our data is more safe now because someone can't look at an anonymous cookie trail? It's a total joke. GDPR is the biggest public policy or public legislation failure of our lifetimes. I mean, that's a little extreme. Well, okay, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there have been
2: a
1: lot of failures. (laughs) Alex, you're European. Defend this. I was very much for what I was trying to accomplish. I don't want to be tracked on the internet. Fuck that. But why? I don't know. Why would it? Man, I think that maybe it's because I've seen behind the curtains, but the more you're able to absorb data and track people, the more you're going to be able to become very, very good at targeting shit to them, forcing them to buy something. And I think it's a little unfair. Like I'm not against hunting, but I'm against hunting with a AR-15. At some point when these systems become so good that they kind of understand if you're pregnant or you just broke up and advertise the type of things that you might be more predisposed to buying at the time I think that stuff becomes bad as the systems become smarter they just become more powerful so we do need a way of getting the fuck out of the system and most people didn't understand that they were being tracked site to site and there's too much that you can glean from that information for me it was a terrible execution they didn't standardize it they should have integrated it into the browser so you say yes once or no once and then you're, you're good to go. It allowed all the incumbents, all the large companies to really win because they had all the UI designers and the technologists and all that stuff to create these interfaces. Sometimes with dark patterns still got you to accept to stuff even if you don't. I'm not going to spend 20 seconds checking boxes when I can just say yes and it's easier. So I think to me it was all an execution issue. I am all for Facebook not tracking me as I'm jumping from site to site. I'm really sorry. Like too much information can be gotten from your browsing habits. It's crazy that we expect that to be the norm. It's Mm. insane. It's like saying we want facial recognition and CCTV cameras. It's a long way from
0: that, Alec. every city. Allowing publishers to benefit from retargeting is a long way from facial recognition.
2: I would say, Troy, that there's a direct line between the rise of retargeting and GDPR. Because their creepiness, I know it's been in this industry forever, but that weird, who knows what creepy is? It depends on the person. But I will tell you, early internet, anytime I explained to family members what I did, they'd be like, you mean those pop-up ads? Why do I get those? And then it became, you mean like I saw something on the internet and I'm followed around by those shoes? It just became synonymous with what to people felt and, and feelings or feelings was an invasive ecosystem, right or wrong.
0: So we're gonna let the platforms own that space. They're gonna be the only ones that can deliver performant digital advertising because they have the data and they have the technological means. No, but- And, I, I, and then the answer on, on the other side is, oh, well, too bad we couldn't get the browser companies to do anything. Well, of course we can't because it's Google That is the number, and Apple that control the browser economy. That's
1: what I'm saying, Troy. I'm not disagreeing with you. The outcome of this should be that most people do not know that they're tracked on the internet to the degree that they're tracked. And I think that is not a good thing. Now, the way this was executed actually helped the big guys and hurt everyone. Yeah, regulations else. regulations
2: always the- do. Don't they always? No, this is, you incumbents? know, you
1: know what? That's such a US centric point of view. Everything that the government does is bad, so we should get it out of everything. And then, love or leave it, Alex. But then you elect people who just want to do things badly so you don't have anything. Regulation can be hugely important. I don't know why we're not regulating this shit more. I don't want Facebook to see which site I'm jumping on. It's crazy that they have a track record of all the sites I visit on the internet. That's insanity. People were upset when the FBI was tracking which books they were taking out of libraries. And this is okay? Well, it's the government. Is the government worse than Facebook? <laughs> kind <laughs> Just, of. <laughs> Good, Americans are think, so distrusting from the government and so trusting for their benevolent corporations yeah. by the way those benevolent corporations that would allow pieces of rat and human meat into those canned products until the government said hey we, maybe we shouldn't do that the profit motive doesn't make you good and you need regulation and you need a lot of it. Sorry. Well, we cannot I, be trusted.
2: We generally, culturally, have a little bit of distrust of centralized governmental
1: authority. Sure, um, sure. That, there's a healthy version of that. Is, is fine. Are we turning <laughs> this into the all-in podcast? <laughs> so are we gonna be? No, I'm like very reasonable about it. I mean, you are. right.
2: Mean, let's still let's
1: do a good product. What's a good product? <laughs> Guns. Okay. I'm gonna say Threads is a good product. What an impressive product launch. Impressive. Okay,
0: well, first of all, you didn't have permission to take the good product slot and then oh, fill, fill it up with, <laughs> with <laughs> junk. Red. <Thread. laughs> Really, we're gonna fill it up with threads. You know what I like to I like to take good product and connect it to the things that bring us joy in our lives, even if it means that sometimes we meander a bit to an apple or a fig or a toaster or whatever. i here's a good product. My friend Roberta's a good product. Uh, this is well, a,
1: hang on. a good product' something we should be able to buy. Is okay. Roberta for sale?
0: <laughs> Maybe,
1: I don't know. but You don't meet a lot of Roberta's these days.
0: Well, let's use her then generically for the kind of people in your life that organize impromptu dinner get-togethers with friends. And yeah. they, they make a big batch of curry, a beautiful bean salad and and something else that's green uncooked or cooked. Everybody gets together is, and it's
1: becoming oddly specific. You yeah. know what this good product feels like I'm Sure, I went to dinner? It feels <laughs> like reading a recipe that I found on Google. Just like, all right.
0: No, it's like asking. you're you're always guaranteed a good meal and a good time and a good conversation if you go to Roberta's house. Right. And so that's a good product. That is, that is do you a, have people like that
1: in your life? Is that your home? I try to be, we we try to be that. But thankfully, we have a very large group of friends and our entire thing is making meals either at homes or at two in the morning on the top of some
0: mountain. It's those people that create community and that community Absolutely. feels warm. So really the product is community and food. That's my good product of the week. Do you want to build on that or do you want to submit Wait, it? Wait, is there? the good
2: product Roberta or
0: curry? Well, it's oh, kind of the... Roberta and curry, Roberta's curry. Roberta Scurry, we'll leave it at that. that guy.
1: I had an interesting conversation with someone. It's not nothing to do with what you just spoke about, but it just made me remember that I struggle with all this Elon stuff. I struggle with being a Tesla owner, and I usually try to separate myself from that. I have Tesla I mean, power ba- wall batteries, I have fucking Starlink, and I have a Tesla. Model 3 that I bought in 2020, 2019. And it is a great fucking product. That's the thing that's annoying. The UI is better than most. It's noisy and it's not particularly well built. But having rented cars that aren't Teslas, I'm kind of still surprised by how good it is as a product. But I feel bad. I genuinely feel bad driving it around. Except somebody just told me that actually, since I have an older model, which has the chrome finish Around it rather than the blacked out finish. The new models don't have any chrome, they have the blackout. I'm virtue signaling that I bought my Tesla prior to us knowing that Elon was crazy. So, therefore, this car that looks slightly older, this like 2020 model of the Tesla Model 3, is a great way to guilt free drive around yeah. a Tesla. So, I would say three 2021 Teslas. Do you generally
2: like not buy products or whatever because of the
1: owners? Yeah. Really? Oh, because of just a general, I mean, usually the owner is less important, but in this case, he's such a big presence. Would in the you company, move yeah. to a state that politically was not aligned with your political beliefs? Nope. Really? Look, politically, California sometimes isn't a, a, a lot, but if there was a state that banned abortions or the things that I found egregious, yeah, I wouldn't move there. I don't want to live there. I don't want to pay taxes.
0: Into is it Elon that you are upset by, or is it the other Tesla owners?
1: It's Elon. I think more and more it's the other Tesla owners. The amount of people who have vanity license plates that write Elon for life. I mean, those Elon guys are terrible. But at this stage, just kind of Elon. I don't mind if folks are a little crazy. I just think he's being like really disgusting. It he's reminded repulsive. me for
0: a second of that lyric from that great Canadian band, the Bare Naked Ladies. Brian Adams is not a band. <laughs> no, no, no. And the, the lyric is better than the band. But it's not the band I hate. It's their fans. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's also true. The fans are pretty terrible. The discourse around threads has been amazing. There's long parables of fans that are saying, Imagine building a product like Twitter and spending your hard work and all your ideas to build something like Twitter and then having Zuckerberg come and copy it. I'm like, Motherfucker, he didn't even <laughs> build it. It's pretty wild. But yeah, so it's been hard for me. I wouldn't move to Miami. I'm sorry, Brian. I know you love it there.
2: No, I just think there's a good case to be made, even if you disagree politically you should move to places where the political climate is different i mean you can vote there i assume and then you can maybe perhaps change it to your liking
0: i'm kind of with brian on that one the thing i like about miami i wanted to have a house in miami and my wife feels like you do alex and she's like over my dead body and you know
1: why she feels differently about my about florida because she's a woman (laughs) <laughs> Things are slightly to be, be Yeah, it's going to be all, gonna all be Elon. Giant There's going to be a bunch of Elon bros. Tell. No, she yeah. just thinks
0: it's she just thinks it's weird. Oh, yeah, that's true. Weird. And that's what I like about it, to be honest. Yeah. Have you been there, well, Alex? I like Miami actually. I think Miami oh, there you go. Yeah, I like it too.
2: We should do the PVA summit in Miami. And the go thing to, to the remember sandwich. is that.
1: Even those states, I would say that n- nothing's homogenous. But I don't want to pay taxes in a place that I feel where my taxes are being used for evil shit.
2: There's like no taxes
0: in Florida, so well, <laughs> there true. goes that argument. There goes that I argument. How they do all their <laughs> evilly? Where do they get this from?
2: I think it's from sales tax.
0: <laughs> but let's just you know, I, someone made the comment once that we end the podcast by talking about how we're going to end the podcast. I, I mean, it's not like our podcast is wildly popular. I think it has its fans and. Mm.
2: It's popular. I got another note about it today.
0: I think you should share those with Alex because he loves Someone that. Someone
2: called it HVA though, not people versus algorithms. It's like humans versus algorithms.
1: It's more specific.
0: Yeah. I prefer people. But I wonder who would come if we had an event. Like, Would we get a bunch of your dweeby, like ad tech people or what would we get? <laughs> <Are> you, <laughs> well, not are anymore. Alex? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, those are the people he makes
1: dinner for at 2 a.m. No, but who would come? I think he was talking about your people. Brian,
0: just to be clear. Oh, I don't think Alex think is an, I, a, part, a member of the ad tech community. No. Are you? No, I, I left. <laughs> you were kicked out. They were kicked out, yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I think we'd get a good group. What's I the feedback so.
0: What feedback did you get today on HVA?
2: I'm trying to find it I because I went to LinkedIn because it felt like something. Because
0: usually what you like to do right now is the segment where you tell me how popular Alex is and how my popularity is declining. <laughs> but my favorite part is the end when we just Talk about nothing. Meander, yeah, Yeah. meander.
1: I agree. This is the highlight of my week, guys. This is our forty-third episode. I think that once we reach a year, we should have a chat about some new format ideas or maybe uh,
0: new energy. Alex, we have a format idea that's approved by the board on the table, waiting for implementation. Oh, the call-in, call-in, the call-in technology. I'm waiting for it. All
1: right, let's leave it there. Yes, let's leave it there.
0: All right, bye. Okay, don't 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 leave yet.